The Calgary Flames certainly know a thing or two about the importance of culture and cultivating a good locker room. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Locked On Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, and today I am joined by my partner in crime, Nick Zeraris. Nick, how are you doing? It's Friday. It is. We made it another week. Uh, another week closer to the trade deadline, the postseason, July 1st, whatever you're looking forward to this year as well. Uh, today, we're going to talk all about really, I guess, a foundational piece of what creates a good hockey team and not just hockey teams, but any work environment. And before we do that, um, I do just want to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. And make sure you subscribe to Locked On Flames wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. Uh, we're free across the board, so there's no reason not to subscribe. What is culture? That is that is the question. I like talking about this because conceptually, this is the thing that people who aren't who are adjacent to sports are obsessed with. This is what the writers who cover the sport are obsessed with. This is what the owners of the team are obsessed with. The general managers, the coaches, whether or not the players themselves are obsessed with it, you know, that's something that I think varies very deeply person to person, but anyone in a leadership position in any capacity needs to be trying to foster an environment that's going to be conducive to success. I mean, we, we see a lot of teams, regardless of sport, that we know before the season starts, they have no chance of winning. And there are different ways to go about being that type of team. You can be a team where you can hang around, you can be plucky, you can try in these games, or you can be a team that just phones it in because you know there's nothing to be gained from this season. And those are typically, that is typically the starting point for this type of conversation because, you know, the Flames aren't bottom of the barrel bad. They're very mediocre. I, I would say they're one of the better mediocre teams just because they're talented. But you can only do so much if you're not as talented. But the fact the Flames haven't rolled over is a good indication that they have the bones of something decent because it would have been very easy for them to pack it in after that seven-game losing streak back in November yeah. where, you know, 50 games to go three of the five best players on the team are probably going to get traded. Would have been very easy for the rest of the team to just give up at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with the Flames, that is one thing that we have said a number of times, even going back to last year, is their resilience. They don't want to just be right off the rest of the season. They want to be able to hang around and see what they can do. and. Every game matters to them, uh, regardless of what the performance on the ice and result may be some nights. But I, they, I don't think that they're a team that goes out there with this mentality of, oh, well, you know, we're, pro we're probably picking in the top 10 this year. So eh, 
don't play defense. Just go out there, do a little skate, and change lines. Like that, it it's not that. It sounds stupid to say, but in the world of professional sports, you know, the bare minimum is going out there and doing what you can. You know, we we, we have seen our fair share of guys hot dog it over the years. Everybody loves to tweet that clip of Pierre-Luc Dubois in the play, as a Blue Jacket like three years ago where he just very casually, like he's at open skate at the local rink, is just gliding around. He lazily cross-checks somebody and that's it. And that's kind of like the, the far end of the spectrum as far as effort and commitment. But as far as culture, applying what it means, to me, it's always been about upholding people to a certain standard and being having a system for holding said person accountable in a way that's not destructive, you know, mm-hmm. yelling at somebody, that's a short-term solution that if you do that repeatedly starts to wear away the effectiveness of said discipline, you know, the, the best examples we talk about in sports are the teams with the really high expectations. Those are typically the teams that have the strongest culture mm-hmm. because they, they have fostered an environment where players want to be that good. You know, if, if you want to be on a certain team, you have to play at a certain level. You know, the, the teams that are bad, typically speaking, they have poor cultures. They don't have an, a high standard. They will let anybody on their team. And over time, that whole that can effectively start to rot your team out. That's not to say you can't win with bad people. There are plenty of bad people in sports who have won things, unfortunately. But by and large, if you want to be successful over an extended period of time, you want to have high standards for both your play and the type of people you bring into your room. The problem is a lot of teams, especially in hockey, that happens in other sports, but mostly in hockey, is they get too obsessed with the we want to have good guys. And it's good to have good people on your team. I'm not saying you should have bad people on your team, but you need to have a certain standard for you know performance before you consider bringing people in. And that's where you get into trouble when you're chasing the magic beans, when you're trying to chase the, oh, well, this guy won a cup with this team. You brought one guy in from another organization that won a cup, one out of 18 skaters and two goalies. That guy can tell you some stuff about the culture, what the way they did things there, but that's going to sound like the kid telling the substitute teacher, well, that's not how Mrs. Whoever does it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it's going to sound like, you know, when you bring in somebody who won two Stanley Cups with another team. Well, actually, you know, that's not how we did it in Tampa Bay. That's not how we did it in Colorado. And it just sounds whiny and annoying. You know, these are, these are adults. These are professional athletes who aren't going to want to be condescended to by somebody else from another organization that had success already. Right. And I'm sure regardless of which team it is, there are players that have been there probably 90%, if not all of their career so they're ingrained in this, what the culture has been and what's worked, I use that term very lightly and loosely, for them. And you're not going to, I, I think there's maybe three players that you could have come into your room and be like, well, this is how it was done. And it would be effective to some extent rather than like, oh, it's just this new guy coming in and he came here just because he already won stuff and maybe he'll win again because it's not it's it's trying to do what other people have done and claim it as your own success that that's the issue with trying to import other cultures culture only works if it's unique to you you know 
Um, you look at the team. You look at teams who try and poach from successful organizations. You look mm-hmm. at it in fo- the football world, where people have done tried to hire Belichick assistants over and over again, and the vast majority of them haven't been particularly successful. You look at some of the people who were on Mike Sullivan's staff in Pittsburgh. Those staffs have been looted multiple times over, and pretty much the only one who's had some success is Rick Tockett. But it took you know a second stop for him to get that opportunity. Yeah. But by and large you need to find people who are capable of being their own person that they build on what they already know. They don't just try and directly copy what's worked somewhere else. Yeah. And it's good to kind of, you know, obviously bring those outside experiences in because they are valuable, but so is what's going on presently in the organization that you're with. And a lot of these guys have been in the league since dinosaurs roamed the earth. And believe it or not, things have changed. So you do have to adapt. I'm more likely to believe uh, younger coaches and staff are going to be okay adapting a little bit faster than someone that is just so stuck and set in their ways that, you know, they end up getting fired. That's the real struggle, man. You can be successful, but over time, the game evolves. And if you don't evolve how you approach the game, your attitude towards the game, Mm -hmm. you get left behind. We are slowly but surely getting away from that last era of coaches. You know, it it happens very slowly in hockey because – People aren't trying to go to the cutting edge. They're trying to copy what's worked in other places. Whereas you look at the other sports, you know, the Patriots hired a 38-year-old to be their head coach today. You you look at football, Sean McVay was 30 years old when the Rams made him their head coach. They are constantly looking for the freshest ideas possible because those are the people who are going to do something that hasn't been done before. And that's typically where you can find market inefficiencies to exploit, where people who are thinking about things in a non-traditional way. Yeah, and it's always important to stay uh, you know up to date and fresh and invite new ideas rather than again just be so stuck and concrete in your ways that you're not open to any ideas because that's it's not you're not going to find success like that but coming up next we are going to continue our discussion uh, surrounding talent development and again what kind of environment you need to foster uh, those relationships in but we are going to take a quick break here and talk to you about sleeper uh it is almost the halfway point of the season flames fans and we still don't know where we are where we're going what the trade deadline looks like but regardless of where we are in the standings i want to remind you that you could win big by playing daily fantasy hockey on sleeper the official daily fantasy app of the locked on nhl network Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. All you have to do is pick whether studs like McDavid um, or Ovechkin or Crosby, McKinnon will record more or less than their Sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more in a given game. To win, a one, to win 100 times your bet on Sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Flames fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you 
can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out with us on today's episode of Locked on Flames. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Oliver Shillington's back. And I know that is exciting. I know he's not like young, like he's not like a Connor Zary or anything like that. But to have him back playing in the AHL, again, speaks to the Flames cultural, you know, culture and how they they care for their guys they have they have done everything they have everything they can words are hard they've done (laughs) everything they can to facilitate him having a healthy return to hockey you know taking away that much time from the game just to take that much time away and then come back to it you know effectively two years later and look at it and say okay I'm going to attempt to do this again. You got to be in a particularly good place to do that mentally. And the flames have done everything they could, they can to facilitate that. They were very, very, very opaque and protective of his privacy last season, not providing a lot of updates, not really not. They were trying as much as they could to keep the spotlight off of him. Whereas, you know, it would have been very easy for them to say, well, he's skating. We're, we'll, we'll find out eventually. And, you know, it, it took a while. You know, there's no guarantee he comes, he gets back to the NHL level. There's no guarantee he's an effective hockey player. But as far as setting him up for success, the organization is doing everything they can. And that's all you can ask for as a fan is these guys are supremely talented. These are the top 1% of hockey players in the entire world. They are always going, in my in my opinion, and I, I'm not the first person to say this, but if you are going to get to the pinnacle of your sport, if you are going to be a professional athlete at the highest level in the best league in the world, your talent got you there. A good coach can mess up good talent. It, it is really yeah. hard to outplay a bad environment. So I, I, I forget who, what person in the football world I've heard say this, but good players can't outplay bad coaching. At some point, your talent was good enough to get you here. You need to do, as a coach, do whatever you can to put a person in the best position to succeed. And it's why I always harp on the idea of instead of harping what someone's not good at, focus on what they are good at. If they're not a 200-foot player, okay, shelter them. Put them on your third line. Give them favorable matchups. Only have them worry about offense. And if the defense becomes that much of an issue, there are ways around that. You can manufacture you can manufacture the facsimile of a well-rounded player by putting them in better situations and giving them complementary line mates. We talk about this all the time. It's one of the issues the Flames have is that they have so many talents that have the same exact skill sets. It's hard to protect them because they all do basically the same thing. Yeah, and I think specifically like that third line um, in Mangiapane, Coleman, and Backlund, like they are a fantastic line, but they they all do the same thing. And it's one of those situations where you're lucky that there's, I guess that it, it works because if you have too much of the same thing, it, it can be like too many pots or too many hands in the pot, too many chefs in the kitchen. Like there's just, you're not, you're all doing the same thing. You're not going to find success. No, it, it it's 
it's really difficult because you can be really talented. The Flames are a pretty talented team. If you look at their forward group one through nine and their defense one through six, it's one of the better groups in the entire league. The issue is they don't have any they don't have any elite players and all of their good players more or less play the exact same way. So if you can keep them to the outside, if you can force them to settle for perimeter shots and have to outwork you for offense, more likely than not, you are going to be able to do a lot because they are going to have to overcommit to trying to score. It's going to open them up in transition. Their defense are going to have to activate in the offensive zone and get lower. It's going to set them up for odd man rushes. And it's a really hard way to exist. And I talk about it all the time, the idea that you want to do something that's replicable and that's as easy as possible. You know, when the Flames are at their best, they are forechecking you into oblivion where you can't get out of your own zone. They're winning all those loose battles. They're winning the loose pucks along the wall. And instead, you know, a lot of the time, they're just dead from forechecking so aggressively. It hurts them on the back end where they've been a little bit looser defensively than they've been the last couple of years. And it's all interconnected when we're talking about something as fluid as hockey. Yeah, absolutely. And have you, I know the Flames are on like the West Coast right now and the Rangers are home, correct? Yes. You've been multitasking. Have you noticed anything um, significant in their gameplay that you would like point it out on film to them and be like, congratulations, or please don't ever, ever do this again? So as far as the Flames, like I said, they are they overcommit on offense because they need to, frankly. We have addressed they don't really have a lot of high-end shooting talent. Mm -hmm. So that extra defenseman, they're going to try and move that fourth defenseman into a spot to shoot to try and manipulate the defense. The same idea I talked about when we did that episode about power plays a few months ago where you want that guy at the point to skate inwards so it pulls a penalty killer towards him so you get a numbers advantage. That's the, It's the same idea here. That when the Flames are bringing that fourth defender down to overcommit, to overload, to try and pressure the puck, to get it back, to maintain that cycle, that is a risk. You know, you're taking a calculated risk that the defenseman pinching is going to be able to win that loose puck and you're going to maintain your four check. For the Flames, as far as things to clean up, you know, I understand why they're playing the way they are, but if you're going to live that aggressively, you need the other defensive person, the other D-man that's staying back to genuinely stay back and not be gravitating towards the play. You would want them to take more of a neutral center posture as opposed to being all the way over to the left. But, you know, we're talking about very... We're talking about very small details. I understand why the Flames are playing the way they are. You know, you're going to have trade-offs. No matter what, mm -hmm you're going to have to have these types of calculated risks within the game. And in the Flames' coaching staff's estimation, their best path to victory is trying to create offense this way. I understand it. I don't know if I would necessarily try and do it this way, but I can understand what they're doing. There is a method to the madness. Is this method something that's sustainable? Well, no, but they don't have any alternatives because they don't have the types of talent to play any other way. They have to win through their forecheck, their skating, and their effort. Well, you heard it here, folks. And coming up next, we are going to talk about some good habits that good teams should have. And um, since it's 2024, hopefully they all set uh, New Year's resolutions. And we will be back 
right after this. Uh, and I want to take a quick break here to talk to you about Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of infections, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. Visit jacemedical.com to complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than it is today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out and tuning in to today's episode of Locked on Flames. We hope you're staying warm and not venturing out if you are in Calgary because it is uh, below 40 degrees Fahrenheit, and uh, not many things could get me out of the house for that. It's like 30 degrees, and I barely want to leave the house to go pick up dinner when we're done recording this, so yeah. Exactly. Now I understand why parents are like, we're not stopping on the way home. Or we're not going back out. No, we're going home to the nice warm house. But what what makes a good team? What are some good habits? In my opinion, you want to reward positive play and you don't want to discourage for bad play. You know, in an ideal world, you want to treat them like preschoolers, like kindergartners. You want to lean on positive reinforcement. You make a good decision. You get rewarded for it. You make a bad decision. You teach off of the bad decision. You don't staple them to the bench. You don't juggle the lines. You, okay, you did this. Do you know why this was the wrong play? Yes? Okay, great. No? Okay, you should have done this instead. Mm -hmm. And instead, because we're dealing with the the hyper-masculine space of professional sports, the easy solution is yell, throw something, and the guy doesn't get an opportunity to play for a few minutes or the rest of the game, depending on the situation it happens in. Yeah, and I think one thing to compare it to is like when you're potty training your dog. Same idea. It's like you have to give a treat for the good behavior. And one thing that I've really noticed um, that's been in effect, I would say, since uh, Zari and Pospisil got called up is Kadri obviously reinforcing the good stuff, but also not being super, I guess, negative would be the word and like mean when they do make mistakes he it's a teaching opportunity and it's they learn from it and both wingers have said oh yeah like we've gone out the next play uh the next shift and the exact play that he had drawn up for us happened so we took advantage of it so you just you have to be nice to each other i I think kindness goes a very long way it helps When you have a decent environment like the Flames do, these younger guys are going to feel a little more comfortable being themselves, making certain types of plays. And it's something that I know I know it has frustrated me at times is coaches are treat players that like they're scared of them, like they don't want them to do what's gotten them to this point. Like if somebody has gotten to this level of hockey doing what they're good at, 
instead of trying to call that creativity to mold it into something it's not, you gotta you gotta put it in a position to succeed. I think about how differently somebody like Patrick Laine's career would look like if he was in an environment that got through to him. And I understand he's been in two different places. He's had four or five different coaches and nobody's been able to get through to him at this point. It might just be, you know, a lost cause of trying to get him to hone his talent. But you think about, you know, he scored 40 something goals as a 19 year old in this league, something that's just, that's not doable in all honesty, the vast majority there there's 32 teams in this league. There's 20 guys who play for each team every given night. We're talking about 750, 800 players total. And then between call-ups and stuff, we're talking about 1,000 players over the course of an entire season. You know, we're talking about 20, 30 guys of that 800, 900 guys who can hit that 40-goal threshold. There are not a lot of guys capable of doing that. And they have not found a way to get through to him in a way that works. And I understand. Some people are not reachable, genuinely. There is only so much you can do. but on the other hand, it's it it says a lot that only one other team was willing to take a shot on him, the Blue Jackets, and only because they had their, a disgruntled star of their own who didn't want to be there anymore. So I, I think I would approach guys like that with the mindset of this is and this is somebody capable of something not a lot of other people are capable of. This is somebody who, when he's right, is one of the best goal scorers on the planet. And we haven't seen that in four years now. More likely mm-hmm. than not, it's never coming back. But you think about somebody like him. You think about somebody who's needed to go to two or three places, like a Dylan Strom, where you need to find the right environment to be successful. You know, you can man a good environment can get more out of somebody than you thought they were previously capable of. You know, it's not a coincidence that guys have career years on teams that win Stanley Cups. You know, those are interconnected. There's not a direct correlation, but they're absolutely interconnected that typically speaking, when you have the best environment possible, you're going to have a lot more success. You know, yeah, there are plenty of teams that have good cultures and, you know, they just have a bad season. They don't get lucky. They don't get the bounces and that's it. But it's a lot easier to be successful in a good environment than it is in a negative environment, you know. And this all sounds very simple, but it <laughs> we uh, it gets overwritten a lot that we just don't think about these types of things. Yeah, and I don't think it's. Mm, I don't know. I'm hoping that we have seen the last of coaches with the philosophies of a Mike Babcock. Where it's like, okay, we're going to sit you down and I, I don't care what's on your phone, but write a list and rank your teammates' work ethic. To me, that is so, number one, insane to ask of anyone. I don't care if they're a rookie or your assistant coach. But I, I want everyone, regardless of the situation, to know like not everyone you is like a cookie cutter learner you might learn an entirely different way than me and that's okay and if you get through to someone the same message to two different people in two different ways and it works okay great and that's kind of an art form i would say to really be an effective communicator as a coach because the way that you address it just it has to be so respectful but also like there's a line you have to toe 
Of course. You know, I talk about it all the time. This is one of my favorite things to talk about is player development because it's very different sport to sport. And the easiest way I talk about this is you can be the most talented person in the entire world. You go into a bad environment where you're going to lose confidence in your abilities. You're going to start second guessing yourself. You're going to develop bad habits because of that. And very quickly, you know, it doesn't take long to flame out to get the bus label and that's it. And you're playing in the Swedish league or you're playing in Russia four or five years after you're drafted because you got put in a, you didn't get put in a position to succeed. Every single player is different. And as a leader, as a coach, you need to be able to adapt and talk to all different types of people in all different types of ways. I mean, the the example I'll give, and this is in hockey, but I I know there's been a lot of Trevor Lawrence discourse on the Internet, but he played with a sprained wrist and a sprained knee and a sprained ankle for pretty much – the final eight weeks of the season. And yeah, I know Jacksonville was eight and three at one point, but you go and watch the two and a half minute compilation of his wide receivers, dropping passes, two and a half minutes of plays of his wide receivers, (laughs) dropping passes, playing with a sprained ankle, a sprained wrist and the sprained knee all on a team that didn't pass protect particularly well and didn't have wide receivers that create separation. A lot of guys would struggle to be successful under that environment. And it's why, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you're making excuses. That's context. We're, we're talking about evaluating something. It is hard to evaluate somebody based on a negative environment. Same thing with Bryce Young this year. The Panthers only won one football game this year. I couldn't tell if he's good or not. He was put in a position where it was pretty much impossible for him to be successful. You know, we got to be able to talk about these players in their environments because the environments are part of the evaluation. Yeah, and that's why it's so interesting like I think of Kadri specifically not that he was bad in Toronto but how he played versus how he played in Colorado after getting traded um, there was a pretty big difference and I would say that there's still a pretty big difference from Colorado to Calgary because these guys are always they're, they're products of their environment Oh, 100%. It is so hard to outplay your environment. That that's really that should be your takeaway. If you were to sum up sum up this 30 minutes of hockey talk, it would be it's really hard to outplay a bad environment. Yes. So, thank you everyone for hanging out with us this week on Lockdown Flames. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Uh, join in on the conversation in the comments. You can follow us on X at Jess Belmosto and at Nick Zararis. And Nick, any parting words for us before we all kick off our weekends? Enjoy the weekends. Enjoy rotting on the couch. There's seven, six NFL playoff games this weekend. Let's have a weekend. <laughs>